I'm Emma Louise Coffey and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. A few weeks ago, we heard the story of Carl Kazan, the accountant turned dairy farmer. On this week's episode, we hear about the work he is doing to increase the awareness of agriculture in suburban kids. The Nuffila took on the title of the report is actually uh, Perceptions of Agriculture in Primary School Children and Opportunities for Development. So what I was looking at or what brought me to this was that uh, at the moment, if you turn on any media or if you look at anything on your phone, there's usually very challenging narratives around what agriculture is doing and especially our interactions, say, with the environment and even nutrition. So I decided I'd give a look at this kind of area and see why is this? I mean, what is going on that people think so negatively now almost about agriculture? And how could you change the perceptions and how could you improve the perceptions of agriculture? So from when I started my studies, one of the things that popped out to me was that I think it was King's College in London had actually looked at the area of perceptions. And what they found was that if you want to change a perception, you actually have to interact with uh, a person at a young age and it has to be multiple interactions on it. So that's what actually brought me onto the primary school uh, students. So that's kind of the background of why I kind of looked at this of this topic. In terms of these young people, why aren't they understanding what's happening in agriculture at the moment? I think the biggest thing is probably there's such a disconnect. And I mean, first of all, we've got the kind of, we've the urban-rural, we'll call it almost divide. So more and more people are actually now living in urban areas than in rural areas. And I think, I think it was 2007 was the first time in human history that more people did live in urban areas than in rural areas. But even beyond that, I know myself, like, I live in a very rural area, but, like, anybody from a non-farming background in that rural area doesn't really have any concept of what is going on in agriculture. So it's like it's almost like an open field then for, let's say, third-party interest groups to actually influence what people are actually thinking is happening on farms. So, I mean, it's the fact that, I suppose, if we went back, whatever we go back, say, 50, 60 years ago, a lot of people were maybe only one generation at most from farms, and maybe on holidays they might have left towns or cities, returned, and they saw this is why things are done the way they are done. But, I mean, at this stage, I just think there's such a gap, and there's been such a period where, say, children haven't really understood anything that's happening in agriculture, that we've got that, that gap just keeps building at this stage. And I, I suppose a, a challenge and some of your recommendations would be to get out and, and target these young people and have the conversation. Um, you know, you, you travelled abroad as part of your Nuffield. Talk through, I suppose, the countries you visited and what they're actively doing, um, you know, to share the, the agricultural message and what works well. Yeah, I suppose, well... Our closest neighbour in the UK, when I visited there, um, they're doing a, a good few different initiatives there. Like, if you look at the NFU, they have a few competitions going in farms for primary schools where they're, they're linking STEM subjects to what's happening in agriculture and setting challenges there for the children. Um, another one of the visits I had in the UK was to a guy called Tom Martin, who is a tillage farmer outside Peterborough. And he just came up with the idea of a thing called FaceTime a Farmer a few years ago. So how it came about was he had returned to agriculture, but one of his friends had become uh, a primary school teacher in a, a in a city in the UK. And she was saying about the problems she had in her class, if she mentioned anything about agriculture, the children just didn't understand. They didn't know where their milk came from, didn't know anything about any crop that was grown, etc. So, as I say, he came up with this idea called FaceTime a Farmer. So it was a very simple idea. So all he, does, all he, he started doing was once every two weeks, he would make a Skype call from his phone or a FaceTime call to the class, it'd be on the big screen in class, and he would discuss something that's happening on his farm that would be linked to something that they were um, learning about in school at that stage. And he just found that the engagement from the children 
was just huge. So he kind of spread it on social media, just what he was doing. And it's now caught on in the UK, and uh, an organization called LEAF have got behind it. And there's over 400 farmers and schools now linked there. So, I mean, what I was saying there earlier about interacting at a young age and having multiple interactions, something like this is a very cost-effective way of doing that because every farmer has got their phone. It'll cost nothing to make the Skype call, and it's maybe 10, 15 minutes once every two weeks, so it's not much of your time. And the schools are very willing to do this because it's shown the children, especially in urban areas, exactly what's happening out there in the countryside. And if you can tie it back into the curriculum, there's further learnings there as well for the children. So leading on to other countries then, um, I guess in, in Canada, I saw a few things where they were actually using online games and apps. But they weren't just, so your normal kind of online games and apps, they were built in line, say, with the UN Sustainable Development Goals, in line with the actual school curriculum, and they were trying to develop the children as critical thinkers. That was a big word they had over there. So the children, or anybody, any of us could log on, and you go and play the game, but the game kind of challenges you to things like sustainability and, say, economic return for the, for the community you live in. So you see how your decision or your decisions in the game would affect this, and then you could actually change your decisions. And along with this, there was information from farmers from around the world to try and help you with your decisions. Um, in other countries, say like uh, like Australia, a big thing they were doing was they would have had different kind of organisations. Let's say Meat and Livestock Australia, Dairy Australia, Cotton Australia. Each one of these would be designing their own resources to use in classroom, but they now have come up with one kind of overarching body called PIFA. So now the teacher or the student can just log on to one website and they can find out any lesson plan they want for any stage the children are at, for any one of the STEM subjects. And it's just sitting there created by these different organizations, completely linked to the curriculum. So it's e very easy to use. So it was a few different ideas like this that I saw around the world that really struck me. I think that's, you know, they're all really good examples of, you know, how we can, I suppose, demonstrate and uh, model what we're doing, you know, on a, a fairly wide level. And it, it seems like it's a lot of joint up think thinking between your, you know, your agricultural bodies and you know, the uh, teaching staff uh, within the education system. Taking a focus back then to Ireland, you know, are we doing anything well to showcase what, we, what we're at? I would say, like, that the likes of, of AgriWare have got some good initiatives, but from kind of investigating here in Ireland, I think one of our problems is almost that we're not putting enough, I would say, resources behind that. They could drive on and do more. That... Um, I guess it's the idea of trying to reach everybody often is what I'm trying to push. So we've got to really, say, use our resources to their fullest, but I still don't think there's enough resources being put in. So if we're thinking a little bit long-term, by not only, say, the farming organisations, but also as you move on to the processors, etc., I mean, they're all dependent on, say, whether it's dairy or beef to produce the product that they didn't process, that they didn't sell on. So if at the ground level farming is finding a lot of negative say perceptions against it and we end up in situations whatever 10 15 years down the road where our production is really being curtailed well then these guys are going to suffer as well like at the processor level because they won't have the product so i think we just need everybody to kind of just go this is important we need to actually i won't use the word educate but we just need people to know what's happening but as well i would think that it's very important that when we're doing that that we link it actually to the environment and nutrition and that we actually make it about a message that's not trying to sell something. So you're not 
having a resource there telling children to drink milk or to eat meat or to eat vegetables. You just give them the information of this is what's happening, this is the interactions with the environment, this is the nutrition that's in the food, and then let the children go away and make up their own decisions. And what I found as well, looking at other areas, is what we don't probably kind of realise much of is that by actually influencing the children, you're actually influencing the parents. Because a lot of the time in buying decisions... The children are in supermarkets. Now, you'll often hear about, like, the pests or power of them throwing in bars of chocolate. But if they're learning about veg and the different nutrient densities and different foods and whether they're good or bad for the environment, etc., maybe they will then be influencing those buying decisions also of their parents. And, like, you know, you're talking about, say, what, what you've seen in other countries. Is there anything in terms of, have you rec- strong recommendations or is there... A, uh, actions that you've implemented as a result of your findings? Yeah, well, I, I actually run a, a pilot of the Face Time of Pharma here in Ireland earlier on this year. So that was very interesting. I, I ran it with two other farmers and we were linked with three schools. And I was actually linked with a girls' primary school in Artain in Dublin, in the north side of Dublin. And what really struck me was they were only nine years of age and really they had no idea about agriculture. And I remember on their first call, the one of the questions they had was, where did I buy my jacket? So it was very basic. But... It was amazing to see the way they kind of moved on. So from talking to the teacher first, they were like, we'd have our call once every two weeks. And she was like, they're so excited about the calls. They're so excited. But to say the calls were only supposed to last 10 minutes. And all of a sudden, they were all less than half an hour. And it was a case of the teacher was having to stop the questions so we could finish the calls. But like maybe four or five calls in, I remember one girl put up her hand and she said she was Googling on her mother's phone the night before. And she'd seen the cows had four stomachs. She was there. That's not true, is it? So this led on to a whole discussion about the four stomachs, how they work and about how rumens work and what they eat and how they chew the cuds and all this. And this led on to, I remember the last question on this topic where one girl put up her hand and she was asking if they have four stomachs, well, in which stomach does the calf actually grow? So it was just amazing to see the kind of engagement the children had and it had gone from almost like no understanding of agriculture to they actually Googling about it outside of school and coming in then with their questions and then the questions leading to more questions. So... They had, uh, they really wanted to learn about agriculture, is what I would say. Like, they weren't given, being given the opportunity, but when they were, they were really engaged and they wanted to see what was happening there. So, I think this, they, these young girls in Artane um, don't think that, that milk comes from the supermarket anymore. They know it's coming from farms like yourself in Kerry. Yes. And yes. Go- going forward, do you think this can be incorporated at a wider scale across the country? I would definitely think so, because if we look at the UK, which is a much more kind of uh, an urban country than here, like, I mean, there's been huge buying for the face of a farmer in the UK. So I think this is something that we can really kind of jump on here in Ireland. Like, even since I did the pilot, I've had a huge amount of feedback from both teachers and farmers looking to see how they can become involved in it. But I'd say the other thing I would be doing in my report that I kind of concentrate a lot on was looking at the links between STEM and agriculture. So we see the importance of all the STEM subjects at the moment, or as they should be in schools. And I mean, in the teaching of STEM, we've got a huge opportunity there where we could build almost like a resource beside those subjects where there's a suite of examples when teachers are teaching in their class that they can easily access and it's completely linked to the curriculum. So that in my head, maybe teachers, when I chat to them, will not agree, but in my head, it's almost like, well, if they're getting these practical examples that they should easily understand, hopefully they will understand STEM easier and then we'll have the added benefit that they're now learning about agriculture and, as I say, even the environment and nutrition as well without realising it. And if we take a more global look and step outside, you know, your study into um, primary school students, um, are farmers doing enough to, pro- to portray what they're doing on farms and the type of system we have that's a clean, green, grass-based system? You know, are we telling people about this enough? I wouldn't think so. And I, I think what's kind of struck me a bit is that... Uh, 
when you kind of travel and you meet with say different people, especially in kind of let's say uh, in the kind of food processing and and retail uh, kind of companies, they're big on telling our story and they're about telling the farmer's story but they're not actually really telling the story from our point of view they're telling it from what they want to sell point of view and i think we are missing a huge opportunity there as farmers that we should be actually getting our story out there no i mean we don't have the resources of those big companies but there is social media and even i'll give one example of one man i met in canada his name is tim may and if you go on facebook he's got over a hundred thousand followers now, Tim is a farmer probably in his mid-50s. I think he's got about 45 dairy cows. But he just started telling his story on Facebook. And it wasn't any kind of, let's call it Instagram story of all these pretty pictures. Yes, there's some lovely pictures there of his animals, but there's also some sad days where an animal dies or something. And he's just, how will I say, almost telling an emotional story of what it's like to be a farmer. And it's amazing even to see the interaction he has even with vegans and that will come on his page and there's never any trouble on the page, which is lovely to see. Like, I mean, he'll answer all the questions that come in. And it's just, if more could just do that, the engagement we'd have would be great because even, even it kind of even builds up, as I say, the respect for what he's doing. Yeah, some people don't agree with dairy farming, but it's not like they're trying to shoot him down. They see what he's doing. They see he's genuine and he's telling his story. And, and any tips for farmers who would like to do this more and tell the story and get out there and, and you know, portray, uh, putting the best put forward in terms of what they're doing and showcase that in a positive light? I would say one thing with social media is that you're going to have to be aware of, if you do start telling your story, that you probably are going to be, uh, say, get some negative feedback and you've got to be prepared for that. And what I would say is if that comes, either engage a little bit with it on a positive uh, note or else just completely ignore it because I think that's a problem sometimes we have from the farming point of view is somebody will come on the attack at somebody who's posted something about agriculture and then they will attack back and then it just becomes completely negative and nobody wants to be interested in it so I would say that'd be the first kind of thing I'd say is almost like a warning but I mean if you think you can do it and you've got an interest in it I definitely recommend you can do it because it's great just to just to showcase as you say what we are doing like and get that opportunity and take it. Yeah, I think, you know, it's 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 a nice way to finish and you know, we are facing challenging times and you know, you mentioned like you know veganism is big and in in ways there's like you know anti agriculture campaigns and also you know we have environmental challenges and you know often there's low milk price poor weather and you know th these are just very positive things and you know once people understand what you're doing there can be a lot of positivity and support around it yeah i totally agree it was even last week though i met with um, i think it was the ahdb in the uk and one of their guys brought up, say, we'll say the kind of, we won't call it issues, but like the, um, with Greta and uh, all about the environment and that. But I was saying, like, that's actually a huge opportunity from our point of view. Don't be thinking about it in negative. Like, why don't you set questions? Like, for once, young people are engaged. Say they're engaged with the climate and agriculture is part of that. But why not set a question for these young people of going, like, well, how would you solve the problems that we have in agriculture and get them thinking about it instead of it just being a negative the whole time? Why can't we turn it into a positive and let them understand what's happening in agriculture? And who knows, they might come up with some ideas that might actually help us. That's great. Thank you, Carl. Perfect. Thank you. That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast. And my thanks to Carl Kassan for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey, and join me next time for your Dairy Edge. <laughs>